0: i So, welcome to this retreat, uh, it's just a fairly short period of time, uh, and I understand most of you have some meditation practice already, mm. so what I thought I'd um, try to do is just to uh, present something that perhaps helps to integrate the internal cultivations of meditation with uh, uh, more external cultivations of how we speak and act Uh, So you see meditation is actually kind of a piece carved out of the Buddha's presentation a very important piece but it's also important to get the the whole bit so that there's a continual cultivation and what this is all what it all comes under can be seen in a couple of ways one is the four noble truths as one begins to acknowledge uh, stress unsatisfactoriness incompleteness uh, and uh, Contemplate, or look, realise, or begin to cultivate the looking into the origins of that, how that ceases, and where, where, and when it stops, and the path. That's kind of very fundamental Buddhist uh, bit encapsulates it. Uh, The other bit, which perhaps is sometimes not so much talked about, is karma karma and the end of karma. Karma means action. So for a start, it 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 means just that. It doesn't mean predestination, fate, destiny. It means action. And it's action that we continually uh, do, act upon. And it's action that's based upon an ethical uh, foundation. So there's action which is in terms of uh, harmfulness, confusion, fear, doubt, worry, uh, wrong misunderstandings, uh, wrong assumptions. And these produce stress. Actions that are based upon clarity, compassion, clear understanding, release stress. So that's the kind of, you know, So that's how it fits into the Four Noble Truths, you see that actually there's there's an origin which is that continually, moment after moment, for the unawakened mind which is not awakened tends to carry a certain karmic potential to be confused or not quite get it right or not get things in perspective or to be coming from uh, biased places, because of this, there's a, there's a result. Result is called vipaka. Uh, there's a result. Yeah. We inherit, we, so we, some of these results occur immediately, some of them occur long term, long time. Mm-hmm. But every result, in a way, uh, gets deposited in the way that we operate. So we build up habits you know, we act in certain We speak in certain ways. We Action means also physical action, action of thought or speech—the action which actually brings things to mind. You know, something is brought to mind, conceived of, and expressed either in a thought or in speech. Second basis of action, and the third base of action, which is the, perhaps the most subtle, which we sometimes don't acknowledge is the action of, of the mind that is a sort of psychological emotional action which would be things like forming a viewpoint uh, an emotional bias uh, actions of the emotions of uh, is it emotion is, it, is a form of action means we're activated in certain ways um, we form biases assumptions standards viewpoints um, and so forth Uh, based upon this mental action then everything else follows suit from that as soon as you conceive or assume somebody is a certain way then you conceive of them in that way and that triggers off how you act so mental karma is the most uh, powerful it's happening all the time you recognise wars are fought over mental karma (laughs) start to conceive of people as enemies or terrorists or you know, whatever it is you know, it's one of them then that acts as a basis to justify doing all kinds of nasty things to them yeah. so this is the kind of mental action, so mental action involves how we regard ourselves so we keep regarding ourselves as inadequate or failures or you know self-importance on one hand conceit on one hand or self-degradation on the other hand this particular mental karma then acts as the basis upon which we live our lives so you get all kinds of life statements getting made and these leave results because it's um, based upon how these mental patterns these karmas get built up into particular patterns in the mind yeah. Well, mental karma is the most important because you don't actually build up a bodily pattern of behavior you build up a mental pattern of behavior hmm. and you don't physically con- continue yourself doing things in a particular way but you do mentally, psychologically keep configuring things in a particular way so that's uh, so that particular retaining of, of Impressions of actions of old habits is the is the vipaka old karma and triggers off fresh karma. That is because we see things in a certain way, we act in a certain way. We act in a certain way that becomes a habit and the way we act. Uh, the way we act then continually embeds us in that particular pattern of behaviour. Right? You know, the story, of course, is you know when the Thief sees a saint, he sees his pockets because his mind is continually embedded in the idea of what can I get, what can I steal. It's crow, obvious example. The, what we continually focus upon, the way we train our minds, then becomes the habit of the mind. mind will then run that way. Keep seeing people as enemies or as uh, whatever, you know, there's good and as bad karma then your mind runs that way you, you know. and particularly how we regard ourselves of course that too is mental karma if we keep regarding ourselves in a certain way that becomes the habit of the mind and the habit of the mind that's the first that's, the, that's the almost the immediate way we keep regarding ourselves yeah. so this is this is called old karma so every fresh karma keeps cutting the groove deeper kind of improved even it sets up a tendency to keep acting in that particular way. And the particular forms it takes tends to be based upon um, uh, hunger for, for pleasure. We want to feel pleased, we want to feel enjoyable, we want to feel happy, we want to feel well-being. So this is a powerful impulse in that way and other words, we want to feel safe. We want stability and security. We want to feel steady. We want to feel at rest. We don't want to feel uncertain. We don't want to feel anxious. We don't want to feel unsettled. We want to feel steady and happy. Um, which is, you know, well, why not? You know, uh, And meditation, you begin to acknowledge how many of the habits we've developed to bring around those goals have not provided us with the results that we were looking for. We've tried, you know, various things that we try. We tried music, which was kind of nice, but yeah, you know. We tried food, we tried sex, we tried whatever, you know. And it was, yeah, it was nice, but... And sometimes it wasn't nice at all. so uh, you know and there's also the the recognition that uh, some of these pleasure seekings also can make us morally a little bit um, uh, dubious so we can start to get unscrupulous about how we obtain our our pleasures taking things that aren't given telling falsehoods um in order to get what we want. Holding on, you know, possessiveness, possessiveness of other people that have been unskillful and cause stress to ourselves and others. So you begin to recognise this yeah, there's a search for happiness, and but this isn't really doing it. There's a search for wealth security, and yet, you know, where does that where do you get that? Hmm. because most forms of security and stability actually continue need to be propped up even a house, you know you leave a house for three months and you come back and you realise you're going to fix something something's broken down in it the roof started to leak, the paint's flaking off you to prop it up continually things are going to start to rot and fall apart physical form you know, it's going to start to break up and fall apart Whatever you do, it's going to do that. But it's going to do it a lot quicker if you don't look after it. So you've got to keep kind of propping up these things. Keep working on it. Relationships. You know, where we might find, we can find people we can live with. A stable, secure relationship. Fine. But it does need continual work to keep it going. If you don't do the work, things tend to go out of whack. Um, what the Buddha is saying is actually you can find... In, uh, increasingly refined uh, qualities of pleasure and stability in meditation which require um, which are more long lasting still require propping up but it's something you have a little you have more say over you know, in the, actually just dealing with this you know have to deal with plumbing buildings other people stuff you know you're dealing with this which is still work furthermore he said that actually you can find a place where it stands up by itself which is nirvana or the unconditioned you can realise a place where stability and uh, well-being stands up by itself so this is the ultimate bit and that's where karma ends because you don't have to keep putting input in it to keep it going everything else you've got to do some more stuff to keep it going do some more stuff to keep it going so there's a certain restlessness and, and dis-ease about most forms of, of conditioned happiness hmm. so yeah. and the uh, process of meditation are uh, first of uh, all first of you all, know, there's, there's putting in fresh input which is clear which is steady which is skillful um, you know, trying to first of all get one's own intention one's own input as skillful and steady and benevolent as, as we can putting it in the best place into our own body, mind and even particular aspects of our body and mind Beginning to use that to change our wiring. So instead of the mind running down this particular course, running down that particular thought, running out in that particular mood, running out into that particular storyline the narratives of our lives, it says, no, don't go there, go here. Go here. Every time it runs it, says, go here. And you train your mind to um, send its energies in the channels that are going to provide one with the best results, the happiest results. This is a process called Samatha. Steady and calming enjoying the mind enjoying uh, that kind of experience where you deliberately carefully and wisely discern where you're going to put your quality attention what quality, what quality attention actually means in a sense of something that's steady, benevolent, gentle, patient, persistent you know and where you're going to put it yeah. where it's going where you're going to plant that seed, plant it in the wrong place, you may put a lot of effort into it, but actually it's meager soil it's not going to bring much fruit. So there's this whole process of skillful attention. Of recognizing what's the best kind of attention and also refining and developing that quality of attention and then also discerning where you get the best results and how you can how you can develop that so that's what we call path fourth noble truth um, you know, truth of the path and it's to be developed. There's particular kinds of of uh, action that are that operate in line with the four noble truths. The first noble truth of dukkha or dis ease or unsatisfactoriness is to be understood. You've got to actually open to that, acknowledge it, which is not a blaming thing. It's just an acknowledgement of does is this you know. Where, and then also where is the stress in this so the second noble truth uh, the origin of suffering has to be abandoned you see, where, so there's particular action there is that particular sources of stress in our lives, addictions of various kinds narratives about lives that are defunct or defective taking us to bad places can abandon that put it aside and do it repeatedly until you've your mind isn't running down that groove anymore third noble truth where where um, the, the distress stops or the unsatisfaction stops, that is to be realized mm-hmm. is you really acknowledge that because these are this may not be complete and utter liberation you know forever but it's like one moment, where hey, that's a little, that's a little better there. That's a bit easier there. That particular place, you know, maybe at the end of my in breath, or maybe when my mind de- develops forgiveness. Ah, it's there. That particular bit. Yeah. So it's to be realized. It's a which means there's a certain truthfulness, accuracy, specific accuracy about the places. In our experience, where there's less stress, where the particular stressing ceases, and uh, this is a third noble truth, so it doesn't mean this is something that happens right at the end of the story. It's happening as part of the process, you know. So right now, we could probably find bits of our body that are, you know, not so comfortable, and it feels good somewhere. It feels quite okay. Maybe the place in your throat. Or, as you breathe out, it's nice, it feels okay. So the bits that really feel good, you start to acknowledge that. So that um, you're training the mind to not just go to, to have this sense of wise attention. If we keep attending in the, in, uh, to the stress in our lives, Um, the likelihood is that becomes the total picture of what our lives are about Mm. so very commonly as you probably will acknowledge in the meditation some particular thing is bugging you and it just goes on (coughs) and on and on and you repeat it every sitting and when you walk outside it comes out of the door behind you and it walks along and it's stupid you know, a silly little thought about something or the other something did or didn't do 15 years ago you know. <laughs> and, uh, and somehow you know, your mind gets locked into that particular bit so this is uh, oral speculation you know. what am I? what should I be? why am I? how am I? what will I be? why am I? Where am I? What am I... Good, what, you know? Just so the mind is kind of gets locked in this doubt pattern. And so the more energy you give to that, the more it maybe comes up with all kinds of narratives about why I am the way I am, what I should have been, you know, rewriting the story of my life, getting up in the dock, proclaiming my innocence, um, prosecuting everybody else uh, for as long as they've done me. And that was... Because of him and her and that and this and that and the other, and I should have done this and I should have done that. Rewriting the script. Wow, that was an hour gone. (laughs) You know, how did? did, Where did that take one? You know, where did that take me? Anywhere useful? Anywhere good? No, apart from maybe just the kind of realization, just how much um, potency there is in this stuff to, to, to keep these narratives going. And recognising, hey, you know, you're never going to get this stuff. Doesn't end, you know, that you go into it. It doesn't end. This is what samsara means. It means it doesn't end. <laughs> and samsara is not a, not a feeling or a thought. It means the unending quality, you know, the, the going on, the continual going on of narratives. They say, well, when you just put your attention to the soles of your feet. Uh-huh. what's the point of that let do that you find it somewhere where there isn't a story so it's a very simple little example You're walking on in the soles of your feet letting go of the all the uh, narratives you can pick up a new one about the soles of your feet of course but very but so but then you see that the the part has to be developed and cultivated so as you pick up the quality of less stress then you pick that up and you start to enhance it and you examine it and you spread it because as you take that as your topic then that also can be your mind goes there more and more times that tends to become the more uh, global view or thing you can abide in this is called samadhi, concentration. You find a place which is comfortable and uh, through, arrive through a skillful mental action and you abide in that. And so that, that's called samadhi, right, concentration. And with that the mind um, is momentarily sort of lifted out of its narratives and stories and patterns to a certain degree at least the surface of it all so then you begin to look into how the mind operates (coughs) at a a deeper level (coughs) this is all this cultivation sometimes called kamatana which means a foundation in action is the principle yeah. all of us have in, inherited old karma? And start being born, you inherit uh, this particular sensual, physical, sensual form, which has its own particular kind of momentum to it. It's like this is the snow, this is the snowball rolling downhill. Yeah. It's not we don't start from a blank sheet, we don't start on level ground. We're all snowballs rolling downhill. Because we're in we are this is what this thing is, this born thing is. And so it has natural propensities to gather, to cling, to accumulate. It's got natural tendencies, reflexes, it's like this. So all the time, not because of something anybody's done, but just because of getting born into this. That's why the Buddha recommended if possible, to to not do it again. <laughs> but since we've done it, you know, there's no point wringing one's hands and lamenting about that, but to see well, for a start, can you steer your snowball in a good way? And then can you lessen the amount, the 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 slope, so it's not just rolling pell mell downhill. You've got some guidance with it, and it starts to at least. Uh, Gather up some goodness, something that's going to uh, feel, take one to a good place, get a good direction for it. Skillful karma, and yet um, the aim really is to when one. So this is what we do with uh, on several levels through bodily action and, and uh, is uh, um, and speech action is what we keep precepts for. So you say you know you keep the precepts for this particular purpose it's what it's about because if we don't keep the precepts then um, it's kind of random really you know one is uh, subject to all kinds of influences and you, you want to get a kind of ethical perspective on life as a really an important basis We don't have an ethical perspective on life. Then, perspective of life would tend to be what? You know, what do we base our worldview on? Mm. Social pressures of some kind, money, job, Um, so on. Ethical basis doesn't rule out any of this stuff. Doesn't rule out relationships. Doesn't rule out money. Doesn't rule out a job. Doesn't rule out, you know, being a success in life. But it means you've got uh, you've got something that keeps all that programming going along in a way that's going to avoid accumulating a lot of damage to yourself and others. And then the. Mental karma is what we deal with in meditation. So recognize the uh, ill will, um, craving, slothfulness, indolence, uh, restlessness, worry, worry and flurry, and doubt, particularly. These are kind of, you know, five frequent characters you, pro- you probably know heard about you know one way of looking at uh, some of the afflictions of the mind is in this this light and so the mental karma is first of all to, to clear the mind of this this is another synonym for what samadhi is about it means that mind is actually at that particular time not affected by these agencies. So it's in a kind of pure state, joyful, bright, pliable, workable state. So this is a meditation. So you get a sense of how you know, the meditation fits into the rest of the things that we are doing. And it it keeps, in a way, verifying uh, the rest of it. Because with meditation, you're looking at pretty immediate karma, you get a fairly immediate result. It may not seem like it's that immediate, you've been practicing for a few years, you know, you sort of struggling with various difficulties, but it's <coughs> the immediate result of actually taking responsibility for the mind, and you know, you get maybe a short term result not necessarily long term but your mind gets a bit steadier brighter you learn how to deal with the hindrances how to pull out of them how to bring your attention you're really mindful focused and so forth and really you're also looking at the quality of intention itself with meditation recognizing here actually I'm aspiring I'm not just kind of rolling on automatic so just whatever other result there is in my life. The result here is I'm being more conscious. I'm not just, you know, rolling an automatic or ricocheting. I'm making some sort of conscious decision, conscious supervision of my world, my realities, being conscious, being taking responsibility. In the sense then there's some sort of you know, when a person any person does that, immediately they're kind of coming out of a huge amount of of um, delusion, you know, uh, ignorance. Ignorance means we lose ourselves. It doesn't mean you don't have enough information. It means you lose your presence. You lose your sense of being really here. You know, so you can recognise that, um, you know, many people are actually hardly here. They're not fully here, you know, they're partly here, but. Not aware of their bodies, not really conscious, reflecting on their mind states, the thoughts, speech is just rolling along. You know? this, is, this is ignorance. It means you, you're not getting the, the, the full bit. And other people, you've got a certain amount of it, but it's much less. You're at least conscious. You're at least awake to that. Yeah there's some sense of an immediate quality of of waking up and certainly um, finding that um, once you've done some meditation then you know, you you never really go back to sleep again you know, something in you keeps no matter how much you seem to not progress something you keeps kind of something that's woken up, something starting starting supervising so in this retreat we have a chance to spend a little more time um, developing meditation and looking at some of the old habits, patterns we have seeing if we can develop some skills to redirect our mental attention and um, develop particular qualities of attention attention is not just a, a push thing it's not just a pull thing it's not just a spacious thing it's it's a whole flexibility sometimes you push sometimes you're spacious sometimes you release sometimes you investigate sometimes you just mollify sometimes you just express meta kindness and it's knowing you know the right kind of fit for yourself you know, particular qualities one needs to enhance in oneself and in particular qualities you need to enhance with particular paces of your of your patterning, for the old patterning that you carry. This is something you can, you can only know for yourself. It's not, not the same as mine. So but through the practice we can begin to get a tailor made build up a tailor made sensitivity to our uh, old inheritances and, and work with them. So it's a general t- teaching and also very intimate, specific practice that we, we all undertake. And the really important piece to, to notice is in that skill is when you particularly you begin to make the mind calm enough and peaceful enough to begin to recognize some of these karmic tendencies, these latent tendencies these kind of inner drives well up you know, something you feel them in your body and I'll certainly be encouraging an amount of body awareness to recognize these karmic tendencies as they arise even before we've really got thinking about them just as they start welling up as you can't sense the the wobbling or the constricting or the flushing or the tingling or whatever it is you experience it as and how at that particular moment when you get the choice you establish a choice where you can actually either get into that, go into that again or you find the way where you can not, where well you can terminate it. So that particular piece of karma ends, it stops. You know, you see the, so that's exactly the piece that we work upon, how old <coughs> patterns come start to come up and this time, you're on the ball with it and you don't go there anymore. <coughs> that's how you end karma. That's how you end it. You know, you're about to go down the blaming Path again, and you, and you didn't have to do it. You, you had a choice, and you took the right choice. You could see what the what the, the mind was about to do, and you you were able to stop it. You didn't need to be that person. You didn't need to be the victim. You didn't need to be right. You didn't need to be wrong. You didn't need to be somebody. You didn't need your history. You didn't need a future. You didn't need to know. You didn't need to prove. You know, me just. That's where it ends. With it. it ends, and a piece of what we take ourselves to be it can be dropped, it can be moved out of. So what is left? This is. You put your own words around that. That's the peace that the Buddha was pointing to where it ends this evening um, as you're all settling in I thought the appropriate thing to do is to, you've had some outline of the former retreat is we'll take the eight precepts together um So this is uh, ethical basis and it involves both uh, we might say goodness and also renunciation various kinds of renunciation which we take on for a retreat just to begin to see that you know, some, some things can certain amount of lessening the amount of stuff we're carrying, the amount of energies, the complexity of energies that we're carrying, actually is is possible and beneficial. So, these eight precepts are the refraining from taking the life of any uh, living sentient being. Refrain from taking any thing that is not given. So, <coughs> is a fairly obvious. Refrain from any form of sexual activity for the period of the retreat. So, develop a certain sense of, of re-channeling one's emotional, sexual energy. And certainly for um, you know committed yogis, we'll take this on, not as a means of repression but really as a means of redirecting this enormous uh, powerful charge that we all have into uh, almost putting into different chakras, if you see what I mean. So this is what the retreat center is about, putting a, just putting that aside and looking at using one's energy in other ways. To refrain from um, harmful speech. So, this is generally understood as falsehood or even exaggeration. Saying something is what it isn't, something isn't what it is. Uh, falsehood. Cursing, swearing, you know, verbally abusing other people or oneself. Backbiting, gossiping, or just just babbling. <laughs> so the stand here normally for retreat is of a stand of silence, or, or just speech, which is purely for function or for asking questions or giving dumber talks <laughs> <It's> of <coughs> that nature. So and. Uh, this is uh, very uh, helpful to to learn to actually say speech which is useful something that you actually wouldn't mind having recorded that's quite a good way to to consider one's speech how much would you like to have put down on the tape and played back (laughs) it proves quite a lot probably Uh, so that right speech is considered something that's a treasure so to cultivate right speech and to start to prune and contemplate um, speech habits which definitely affects the way we think and the way that naturally affects meditation if it's speech is all over the place the mind is all—it goes all over the place and picks up topics that have no particular relevance just is scattered So, in this um, theme, it's also good to either refrain from reading uh, or to a very simple reading that you do slowly, just a few lines, something you can take in and turn over in your mind, consider, contemplate, give full attention to, rather than just the the, uh, compulsive filling up of the mind with verbiage, even useful verbiage, or interesting verbiage. Um, Because you actually want to really understand the verbal patterns that you've already got, rather than just paint a whole lot more on top of it. (laughs) So you use thoughts and ideas that will help you to Understand the thoughts and ideas you already have, not a, rather than just to kind of load a whole new lot on top of the old stuff. So, we recommend limiting what we read. We I mean, recognizing this is not a this is a quite an important matter actually. <laughs> there in your daily life, you know, you start to consider what kind of magazines, newspapers, te- television, etc. You you look at because that is certainly going to add to the content that you will experience, the results you'll have, what your mind is holding, where your mind's going to work, the kind of things that concern you and come up in your thoughts. So what do you want to put in? It's a good thing to cons- to, to think about, to consider. Um, ver- uh, refrain from any form of intoxication or intoxicants themselves, even little bits. Is uh, a good practice. Just recognising, even you know, a glass of wine, which we may not going to get sozzled on, but still, um, you know, why, why bother? Uh, we may think, wow, why, why not? So this one didn't go down a bomb in France. So I was in teaching in France and a sort of blanched. Expressions when I said maps oh, no wine, you know, it's possible to exist without wine. And I think the thing was, well, it's possible to exist, but why bother? <laughs> 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 this isn't Buddhism. This is barbarism. You know? <laughs> but the thing is that you know you recognise, okay, fine, you know. But do you know how many people? binge drinking three, one in three men, one in four women binge drinking um, do you know how much crime violence, abuse, sexual abuse physical violence is directly related to, to alcohol yeah. do you know how many liver trials how many people are wrecking their health and stuff Wouldn't it be good if if we actually said, hey, hey, this stuff, you know, it's not something to take lightly? So, okay, one glass of wine isn't going to do you any damage, but if you actually were part one of the people who said, wait, look at this, you know, um, this actually is a poison. So that there isn't, you know, if you've got a glass, you drink one glass of wine, almost certainly you have at least one bottle in your house, two bottles in your house and maybe you know when times are a bit rough you have three glasses of wine mm. or somebody else comes round and you have a few glasses of wine mm. so it's a sense of just you know giving it some thought some care uh, about establishing a particular trend be very, putting a Life on the line. So, refrain in this retreat, we tr- take the precept to refrain from um, eating after afternoon. This is a, a kind of a renunciant training. Just to it actually has a in, when you get used to it, it's quite a good effect on the metabolism. Your energy, your energy gets smoother, and it's it's useful to just consider, as you, whenever you eat, just you know, it's not just kind of munch munch, but there's a certain sense of purpose in why we're eating. You have two meals a day, three meals a day, one meal a day. You eat at ten in the morning, or five in the evening, really. That self doesn't matter, but at least one is conscious of it. So, again, you know, overeating is a very common problem in the West now. Because it, it involves a kind of oral gratification. Because certain other needs are not getting met. So we want to really come to terms with that. This is a helpful training. These are trainings. These are not... Laws, these are trainings to undertake with a sense of purpose. The training during the retreat is also to refrain from entertainments, uh, distractions, um, beautification, dolling dolling oneself up, you know, and the time we can spend doing that. Um, And also from uh, overindulgence in sleep, which is the sense when everything else uh, is gone, this is the last place, <laughs> the last hideout. <laughs> so, if I, Liz, you'd like to take these precepts, this is more or less the standard we'll be using, but if you'd like to actually determine these, then I'll recite them one at one at a time in English, and you can recite them after me. <clears throat> Tasa Bhagavat or a Hatova Sama Sam Buddhasa, the Motasava Bhagavatora Hatovasama Sam Buddhasana Mortasa Bhagavatora Hatovasama Sam Buddhasa. Undertake the precept to refrain from taking the life of any living creature. Undertake the precept to refrain from refrain from taking any, anything which is not given. I undertake the train to, re- to refrain from sexual activity. I undertake the training to, re- to, to, train to refrain from harmful speech habits. I undertake the training to, to, train to, to refrain from taking intoxicants. the training to refrain from taking intoxicants. I undertake the training to refrain from eating after noon. I undertake the training to refrain from beautification and entertainment. I undertake the training to refrain from overindulgence in sleep. So, some time for meditation. meditation. And um, what I recommend doing as as you enter this retreat is just to bring to mind some qualities that you admire. Uh, It's a way of developing... Uh, recollection of Buddha, Dharma Sangha so these in a way typify in various ways the qualities that are admirable for a spiritual practice uh, wisdom compassion, purity you might say the Buddha um, or awakened or released or not suffering uh, and in Dhamma that which is uh, what can be brought to light, can be revealed is accessible is relevant to our lives is furthering we can train, we can practice with it, it's not a metaphysical system, it's relevant it's, it's accessible to myself, it's not something you have to be attained in order to get hold of and Sangha qualities of people who have uh, cultivated and obtained results. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Okay. So, anyone you consider in that light, like teachers, sages, um, even results in yourself, yeah. so there's ways of, of reflecting and bringing to mind admirable qualities. And these are the things that you want to be looking at, at what you bring to mind, the fact that you can bring these to mind, and the effects they have, in terms of giving yourself a sense of of just of lifting. You know, it's not, oh, I've got to be like this, I've got to get to this state, but actually where, where things resonate for you, where you feel a sense of inspiration and resonance. So as you come into the... the meditation position mm. letting your other concerns be taken to the door and gently escorted out for the time being or come back in again so you gently take them out again steady yourself around your breathing structure of your body awareness of your posture and as you come into a more settled place in yourself, just bring to mind recollection of these admirable qualities, admirable <coughs> intentions, admirable aspirations.